classical stuff. A podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to change it up for everybody. You, you changed it. So you, yeah, we you, always start with the hello yeah, and welcome. See, yeah, that's I great. Th- so classical stuff. Welcome to classical stuff you should know. It's very dramatic. This is a podcast about the ancient world, classical education, classical things, and it is run by a couple of classical educators. We all work at a school called Veritas Academy in Austin, Texas. Indeed we do. Go Defenders. Go Defenders, go. Go Big Blue. Defend the thing. Mm -hmm. Defend. Keep them out of that. Traditional. Sheep pen. What? Classical education. I don't know. They never stipulated what we're defending. I thought you were just talking about uh, the classical sports that we play. Uh, Sheep herding being (laughs) one of them. Uh, What are some of your favorites? Uh, Tabor toss. Uh, Yes. Fucking naturally. The Tabor toss. Uh, Or some other good ones. Tabors. The poetry composition contest. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Winning goat. Anyway, um, my name is Graham Donaldson, and I'm joined here with my colleagues and fellow classifiles. Classicophiles? That sounds, that sounds I don't awful. Like this. Don't like it. I don't like this um, AJ Hannenberg. Classicists, I think. Classicists that's probably the word. AJ Hannenberg. That's me. And Thomas Magby. Hello. And audience, I get the sense that you're going to have to dig deep into your imaginations <laughs> today. Go into the inner your inner eye, because from what I understand, we are discussing a painting on this podcast? Yeah, and my two fellows are being big old naysayers. Like, yeah. they are sticks, and we're, there's mud, and they are We're discussing in it. a visual thing in an auditory medium. I don't understand. Yeah, because that's never happened never before. Never happened before, exactly. No one has ever discussed films. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's a great point. No one's ever discussed art. No one's ever discussed... What else? That's it. Television, Television shows. yeah. What yeah. else is visual? People. All right, fair enough. Touche. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fun. There's an audible um, element to TV and movie too, though. Doesn't that make it easier to talk about? It's true. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, they, they also play like this painting is an audio one. It's a whole experience. Wait, what? No, I'm kidding. It's incredible. It's just a painting. So oh. Hannenberg, school us. Okay. Us uncultured masses. The hoi polloi. <laughs> we need to learn about the art. So imagine yourself on a European tour with the seniors of Veritas Academy. Okay. okay. You are, I don't know, about 10 days in. Oh. You're, you're tired. <laughs> yeah. You're probably sick mm-hmm. just because that kind of comes with the territory. You've been on an airplane. You've been stuck with the same group of people and sickness just kind of goes around. So you're probably sick. You've mm-hmm. been touring all day. And then you get into the Vatican, which mm-hmm. is kind of awesome. Right. You're walking through. You're seeing some of the most amazing sculptures you've ever seen, including one of Laocoon and his sons being eaten by snakes. Okay. Including a very famous one of Apollo. Mm-hmm including a giant golden ball that looks like it's been eaten by robots. robots. It's in the Vatican collection and a, a big stone pine cone. Is it like a modern modern art? Yeah, there's a modern oh. art right in the huh. middle. And it's pretty cool. Like it spins real yeah. slow if you, if you can push on it and spin We're it. Are talking about the pine cone or the robots? The robot, uh, the robot ball. Big okay. kind of weird robot ball. Hmm. Anyway, so you've, you've been through this whole thing and you have seen works from antiquity. Beautiful, beautiful things. Mm-hmm. You saw the torso of Ajax. They're pretty sure it's Ajax. It's just a torso. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen tombs. You've seen marble. And how they acquired all of this art was not necessarily by the most scrupulous of means back when the popes were running things. But it's there. And it's beautiful. And then you are ushered down this staircase and you enter the Sistine Chapel. Mm. And it is packed. It's packed with people. Wall to wall. And everyone is on these little boxes. And their tour guide isn't even allowed to talk to them. So you can take your little earpiece out. No one is telling you about anything. They've told you about stuff beforehand. And you walk in and there are a bunch of Swiss guards that look very intimidating. And they are very actively shushing you. Mm -hmm. They're in their orange and red pajamas. 
Uh, no, these guys are in like black uniform. They oh. look they look intimidating. They're not they're not pajama guys. Mm. And you look at the ceiling because that's what you're supposed to look at. Mm-hmm. But it's not nearly as impressive as what's on the wall, mm-hmm. right? Over the wall in which you enter is the Last Judgment by Michelangelo. Michelangelo also painted the ceiling, but he painted this wall, and it. Everyone, for some reason, thinks about the ceiling, but I think the wall is f- by far more impressive. It's bigger. It's more easy to see. A few of the scenes in the ceiling are so small that you can't really tell what's going on. He he painted them from close up, and then when he stood on the floor, he realized you couldn't really see any of the action, and that's why a couple of the scenes are much easier to see. Uh, so. The Last Judgment of Christ was painted by a fellow named Michelangelo. You've probably heard of him. I yeah. Yes. Uh, he was one of four defenders of New York City. Yes. I was just going to say, Ninja Turtle <laughs> loved pizza, apprentice of Splinter. Have I ever told you my... This has nothing to do with this podcast. Have I ever told you my theory of X-Men and Ninja Turtles? How X-Men and Ninja Turtles have competing views as to how new immigrants... Uh, to the United States integrate into society. Overthink it much? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) No, seriously, like, X-Men eventually enter Congress, and Ninja Turtles... Enter Congress? Yeah, like... like, like, They uh, become Congress people? Yeah, some of the X-Men, like, run for political office, and... And doesn't Mystique pretend to be a senator for a little while? Yeah, and so they they go through, like, the, the, the channels, and then, I don't know, it's just, the Ninja Turtles, like, you know, they're... The, the first generation gets really upset with them because they're enculturating into this new place of television and pizza, but they're forgetting their, their roots of Japan. And so they, their sensei is making them do their old Japanese uh, way of life with, with and then they're, in, and then they're combining it with skateboards and turning and sort of taking this old and new world and trying and becoming superheroes. Anyway, can, can I admit that that's literally never occurred to me when watching? Ah, uh, yeah. We I, had different childhoods, I yeah, guess. My, apparently AJ did that. Ever no, I did not you? think of this in childhood. No. I thought no. it was much later. And this is a hat tip or shout out to Thomas White, who's probably does not listen to this podcast because him and he and I, I spent a long time uh, sort of hashing that, that thing out. Oh man, that sounds like a, like a conversation I want to be a part of. <laughs> it was pretty fun. <laughs> that you do want to be a part no, of? No, oh. no, it sounds oh, pretty interesting. Of me. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> Anyway, it's hard to tell. so it's painted by, let's, let's talk about Mike and his life before we get into what's actually going on in the painting. Cool. Okay. So Michelangelo was born in 1475 and he lived to be 89 years old and died in 1564. So you know when they say that the life expectancy was really small for years and years and years? I think the reason is because, yeah, there was more sickness, but also childbirth, childbirth, yeah. the child mortality rate was yeah. insane. It's not like no one ever lived past 40. Right. They... People live to be old. It's Just not like they're doing never, averages. When you're doing averages, it works out low. before two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, kids would die, and there was sickness, and like sure. it was harder to live that long. But it's like nobody lived that long. Mm. So his family was small-scale bankers, and uh, the bank failed eventually. And uh, his dad took a job in Caprizi, which is a beautiful place. Um, eventually, a few months after he was born, they moved back to Florence. And at six years old, oh, I just dumped coffee all, my, all over my computer. That is a bummer. Um, there's paper towels right there. Oh, thanks. Should be fine. Uh, <laughs> crisis. Crisis on the podcast. Thanks. Okay. Huh? Uh, no, we don't want to restart. We're fine. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Everyone gets to listen to uh, stuff on the computer. Huh? You're gonna make him listen to this? Yeah, I'm making him listen to this. It's kind of fun. Okay. My favorite kind. So, uh, it still seems to be working. Everything's still functioning. 
That jinxes it. Yeah. Well, you know, cross your fingers. So he, his mom died at six and then he went to live with a, a nanny and her husband afterward in the town of Sectignano, where his dad owned a marble uh, quarry and a small farm. Eventually, he studied grammar under the humanist Francesco da Urbino. And surprise, surprise, he did not like school. He liked to spend his time copying famous paintings in churches and hanging out with other painters that he thought were cool. Uh, So growing up in Florence, Florence was at this time the epicenter of art and culture. Mm -hmm. The famous Medici family, you guys heard of those fellows? Mm -hmm. So the Medicis had gobs and gobs of cash and they loved to give it to artists. And then the artists would make cool things for the Medicis and make the Medicis more famous. Mm -hmm. One of these things was the Duomo in Florence, which Mm -hmm. is made out of beautiful white and green marble. It's huge. And there's a baptistry right, right across from it, this big, beautiful tower and when they originally built it, they the church was so large, they couldn't find anyone who could figure out how to make a self-sustaining dome mm-hmm. for the church. And so there was actually a giant hole in the church for about 50 years until uh, they hey, figured out how to do it. Cool. All I know is that with the Medicis, that sometimes, you know, they would be the patrons of these paintings. And so you have these paintings of like the Virgin Mary, you know, uh, whole, cradling little baby Jesus. And then in the background, there'd be this guy. <laughs> and he's like... Smiling. And, and David Jesus is kind of like, you know, uh, smiling at him yeah. or like blessing him. And it's this Medici and he's, he gets to be in the painting. And But that's kind of the way it was for all art exactly. during that period. I was rich. And mm-hmm. when I when I had people, yeah. I, I would hire, hire an artist to make me famous and yep. put me in famous scenes and make me look pretty. That's right. When you've got yeah. like, you know, uh, like all those sort of big famous coronation paintings, you'll have like the bishops and the Pope and, and the guy being coronated. And then right in the front it's, row, exactly. you've got a banker. <laughs> you've got this guy. <laughs> right, right where they belong, right? Right where yeah. they belong. Yeah, right where, where they should be. It's like fashion week where, you know, <laughs> you get to sit in the front row. <laughs> yeah. So he grew up in this beautiful place where there was art all over. There was art, you know, these beautiful statues and all the cornices and and the the doors of the baptistry right across from the Duomo are the Gates of Paradise by Ghiberti. They're mm-hmm. these beautiful bronze plates. And they were some of the first sculptures to use foreshortening and perspective in relief carvings. And it, they just blew everybody's minds because mm-hmm. it was the first time they had really seen that. Mm-hmm. You know, you could look at it and it looked like a 3D space. Nothing like that had really been done before. Um, and that would later elicit the Gates of Hell by Rodin. He mm-hmm. actually made those to be the counterpart of the Gates of Paradise. Um I think those actual plates are now housed in a museum because they got washed away in a flood and they were afraid that was going to happen again. Mm. So the ones on the actual baptistry now are just copies. At age 13, he became the apprentice to Domenico Ghirlandaio, who is a master in fresco painting, perspective, and figure drawing, and he had the largest workshop in Florence. So that's a pretty good get, right? Getting to be the the apprentice to the the biggest deal in Florence. And fresco is where you're painting on like still wet plaster. And then when it dries, it... Yeah, I think you're kind of painting with plaster on plaster. Yeah, yeah. Is kind of the deal. Uh, In in 1490 and 1492, he attended a humanist academy the Medici had founded. And there he sculpted a bunch of things. There was a famous Madonna of the Steps and the Battle of the Centaurs. And he wasn't super famous yet. He was just kind of a sculptor. At 17, this fella named Pietro Torregiano punched him in the face <laughs> and busted his nose. Oh, and that's why whenever you look at portraits of him, he's got this big cockadoo crazy nose because it got Dang. bonked and it's all busted. What was you know what the fight? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know what the fight was, was oh. about, unfortunately. In 1492, he went back to his dad's house, uh, carved a big, beautiful crucifix to give to a church. Guess what it was for? Guess why he gave this crucifix to a church? No clue. They fixed his nose. They let him fiddle with the dead bodies so he could figure out the <laughs> oh, there you go. the anatomy of what was going on. Sure. So okay. They get, they get a cross out of it. 
Yeah. So he leaves Florence briefly because of some political upheaval. The Medici's are ousted mm-hmm. and then he helps, you know, uh, and then he kind of, was it the Medici houses? I think this is a different thing. So I think the Medici's are ousted later, but there's political upheaval. He there's leaves briefly and then Florence. he, uh, he comes back and then he carves a couple of statues and then there's, um, a Medici that hires him to carve this thing. And he said, what I want you to do is make this statue look like it's been buried recently. Hmm. And then I can sell it as an ancient <laughs> Greek mm, antique that's messed up. and get a lot more money that's for it. Up. And then both him and the Medici were kind of heisted by this middleman who concealed the actual price that he sold it for and took them, took them both for quite a bit of money. Dang. And then the cardinal that he sold it to found out it's real val, like that, that it was a fake. I feel like that goes poorly. Yeah. It actually went really well. What? He was like, that's pretty good work for a modern guy. So he invited the two artists to Rome. So in 1496, at the age of the ripe old age of 21, mm. Michelangelo goes to Rome because he's already kind of famous as a sculpture with this cardinal. Not with anybody else. He's he's not big stuff yet. So he starts doing work there. He does a statue of Bacchus that is rejected by the cardinal he who commissioned it. And eventually it's bought by a banker for his garden. Bankers get good. lots of art in ancient Rome. Still There's... Do. Yeah, do, they still do. We should just do a history of bankers. That's the reason the classical world exists, right? Bankers. Okay, good. Thanks. If you are a banker and you want to uh, dedicate or uh, be a patron of this podcast, <laughs> mm-hmm. we will mention Please you on every episode. We will mention you yeah. all the time and oh. your goodwill, and we will pray for your soul. That's right. Wow. All right, so the French ambassador then commissions the Pieta. Have you guys heard of the Pieta? Yeah, I've heard of the Pieta. Yeah, so the Pieta is the thing that kind of cements his fame. It is still one of his most famous statues, and it was for a tomb. He finished it at the age of 24. Wow. So just for listeners, the Pieta, a Pieta is where Mary is cradling the body of Christ off when he has come off the cross. That's that, that sort of scene where mother um, uh, holds dead child who is also God um, is depicted in lots of paintings and lots of art. But Have you guys seen the, the I have, Pieta? I have never been to Rome, so I've never seen, I've, I've seen very little Michelangelo stuff in person, but it is very beautiful. So it was originally intended to be part of this tomb, and then he it got moved around, and eventually it is now housed in St. Peter's Basilica, the biggest church mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. So you walk in the front door, and directly to your right is a big—it is now glassed off. It mm-hmm. didn't used to be. When I first saw it, you could walk pretty close to it. Now it's behind these big plate plastic things. I think someone attacked it. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. It's because for some reason, people keep on attacking these statues, and they started trying to smash it up with a hammer, and I think he got some smashing yeah, yeah. in before they finally caught the guy. They repaired the statue, but now it's behind glass, and you can't go close anymore. But it is beautiful, and what's striking about it is that Mary is young. She mm-hmm. appears to be, I don't know, 20 tops, mm-hmm. and that doesn't make sense if Jesus is 33. Mm-hmm. Right? She should be a little bit older than that, but he was trying to give, you know, she's very virginal and he's trying to show her spirit more than her age. And so she's cradling the body of Jesus and there's all this flowing drapery. You guys should look it up. It is a beautiful, beautiful statue. Well, as she is like the embodiment of not only the feminine, but of sort of what humanity's disposition towards God is supposed to be. This receptivity of Mm -hmm. God's will, partnership in God's will. And, um, and then also an, like a beholder of God's actions on earth. Um, um, Christ dies on the cross and we are supposed to be like Mary, you know, um, mourning yeah. the loss. And then the joy that she has on Resurrection Sunday morning is supposed to be our joy as well. So it's, yeah, you, you get into, it's not a historical representation of the scene. Right. It's this symbolic representation of, of what human beings are supposed to be. We are supposed to have that disposition that Mary has towards God. 
Right. And when he exhibited it, there was a big crowd. And he I'm heard, a Protestant, by the way. He heard a guy say, there's no way Michelangelo carved this. That guy's only 24. And he was criticizing it. And so at night, guess what Michelangelo did? He made like a little mini pieta and stuck it on the guy's pillow? <laughs> no. Oh, that that would have been amazing. <laughs> at that kind of speed, it took yeah. forever to carve those things. That's what I was going to guess. He yeah. went back and carved his name into the oh, sash right. that Mary wears across her chest. <laughs> really? And yeah. I think it either says just Michelangelo or this was carved by Michelangelo yeah. to make, yeah, it's still there. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So he he's kind of a fiery guy. Mm-hmm. All right. So he carves the pieta and that sort of cements his fame. Now he's famous. He heads back to Florence in 1499 and is commissioned to finish a project someone else had begun, which is to finish the statue of David. Hmm. Uh, he finished it in 1504 after and we're, a few we're talking years. the statue of David, the one the that's David. the famous one with the big hands. Yeah, <laughs> it now resides in the Academia of Florence. It used to be in this beautiful square, and you mm-hmm. can still see a copy of the David in this square. And we're talking, it's got the David, it's got a bunch of other really famous statues, and you can just kind of go sit and look at them in this beautiful open air place and that's mm-hmm. where it stood for hundreds of years before some doofus yeah guess what guess why they moved it someone attacked that one too someone attacked it with a hammer and started bonking his toes all up so mm-hmm. he's just smashing the david's toes and they caught him and because it was kind of getting dirty and you know getting worn sure. by weather and sun and stuff they they decided to remove it so now you can see it in the academy it is gorgeous it has he's got weak ankles i think that's his only problem but it is a beautiful beautiful statue and from close up it's got veins mm-hmm. it's got hairs it's like the veins even jump up a little bit in the elbow like they do like normal people it is absolutely incredible and on the way up to it they have these unfinished statues that he was in the middle of carving and they're just kind of halfway done yeah i love those unfinished statues there's one um, set where he was draw he was going the final product was going to be slaves, I think, and they are all unfinished. So you see, it's almost like you see these men emerging from the rock, yeah. and in its unfinishedness, it's it's kind of like a modern modern art. It's just it's very beautiful. You should Google sometime just um, uh, Michelangelo's unfinished unfinished sculptures because you see what looks like these these you know forms just emerging from this mass of, of marble and it's they're just really cool in and of themselves yeah. and, and both, the process is amazing have you all both seen those in person i have not okay. like I have. i've i've uh, i haven't spent much time uh in italy i'm gonna say i have not seen them in person either but but you've been on the haven't you been on the trip with the kiddos i have not this oh. this uh, may will be my first one. Oh, oh man i'm excited for I'm you excited it's so too. cool fun. oh you're going to like confiscate all the jewels all the uh all the vapes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said, i thought you were talking like the jewels are going to steal from someone else like, oh no yeah, yeah, I, thought, I was like oh that's so weird graham anyway. i've had to do that before i had a student take mosaic tiles that's kind of seriously a problem. yeah that's oh, a big problem yeah. if everyone takes it there's no mosaic anymore that's true. students also like to purchase certain items in pompeii that they're that uh, and is we're for. moving on <laughs> <laughs> tell me more about this uh michelangelo guy okay so at 30 now he's really famous he's done the david he's done the pieta those statues are just beautiful and he is hired by the pope julius the second to do his tomb, which was supposed to include 40 statues and be finished in five years. During this time, he had constant interruptions. He never finished the tomb. The tomb was never done. Although he did finish a statue of Moses, which is now housed in the church of San Pietro in Vincoli, which sounds really fancy. It's in the middle of Rome. It's kind of close to the Colosseum. It's actually a really quick walk from the Colosseum if you want to go see the statue of Moses. And he's pulling his beard to the side and seemingly in the motion of standing. That's what's remarkable about Mm. Michelangelo's work is all of... Yeah, they're all moving. And there's, there's not this like 
repose where they're just standing. They there's flexing muscles and turning and motion and you know he's grabbing his beard. It's just he's he's a beautiful sculptor. Hmm. He yeah, so he never finished that. And then he was hired to do the Sistine Chapel ceiling, which I think, yeah, so I was thinking of a different painting. So he does the Sistine Chapel ceiling, which it took four years to do. And there was this guy, Bramante, who was working on St. Peter's Basilica at the time that kind of wanted to see Michelangelo knock down a few pegs. Mm. And so he convinced the Pope to commission him in a medium with which he was unfamiliar. Mm. So Michelangelo is a sculptor. Mm -hmm. He's been a sculptor for a long time. He doesn't actually like painting that much. Mm -hmm. He even says that later. He likes to focus on sculpture. And so the guy said, hey, let's get you set up doing something else. And then... Just to knock him down a few pegs? Just to knock him... Like, he wanted to see him fail. And so Michelangelo looked at the ceiling, and what he proposed was far grander than the the original idea. It ended up being 500 square meters of ceiling. Hmm. And... With over 300 figures. There are nine episodes from Genesis in the center boxes, which are all really cool, from creation all the way to Noah. On the supporting ceiling are 12 men and women who prophesied the coming of Christ, seven prophets of Israel, and five sibyls. So just prophets all the way around. And there's a bunch of stuff going on in the ceiling, which we can maybe talk about at a later date. I don't want to get embroiled in all the controversies there. Mm -hmm. But he did the ceiling before and then did some other stuff. So then in 1520, he heads back to Florence and they get him to make the Medici Chapel, which contains uh, the Medici Madonna that Michelangelo did. They also commissioned him for a library. But in 1527, this is where the Medici get tossed out. So the Mm -hmm. Florentines toss out the Medici and restore a republic. And then Michelangelo worked because he loved Florence on the city's fortifications. The city fell again three years later oh, whoops. with the Medici back in power. <laughs> okay. And do you think he was still in favor with the Medici? I, If he's making fortifications, I'm going to guess no. Yeah, probably not as much. So fearing for his life, he flees Great. to Rome and he leaves the chapel and library to be completed by assistance. Mm. The Last Judgment, which is the painting I'm talking about, is commissioned in 1534 mm. by Pope Clement VII. So he's an, old, he's an older dude. He's an older dude. I think it was, he was around 67 when mm. it was finally com- okay. completed or began. It's, it's around then. Wow. He you know, worked on some architecture and then some other stuff and then was commissioned to, to do some frescoes. So at this time, he's just being commissioned all over the place to do all sorts of things. He is really famous. So he was famous in his lifetime. Oh, yeah. And he was highly paid. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second, how he spent his money. So he didn't get knocked down a peg. He did not. He actually killed it on the ceiling. Gotcha. Right. And did a, like a fantastic job. If you tried to like make me teach a math class, although I would probably fail at teaching the math class. But if you're like, oh, that Donaldson, he thinks he's so hot. But then you actually crush it. No, I don't think oh, I would. Okay. But um, You want to know the best thing? Huh. So after he finishes the, the painting that I'll talk about in a second, they hire, hire him to work on St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah. Who was being worked on by... The first guy? Bramante. Yeah. And so he finishes the work that Bramante That's starts. Awesome. I thought it was going to be like, like Bramante like hired him to do his tomb or something. <laughs> no. And then he, he actually... It's marble pile of poop. It's like <laughs> dog poop. He actually ended up doing the dome of St. Peter's Basilica, which is massive and beautiful. Now, painting it, not constructing it. No. He, uh, he did architecture. Oh, crazy. Wow. So, I mean, he didn't like lay the blocks sure, himself. Sure, sure. But, but he designed but he planned it. it. He's yeah. the one who designed and planned a good portion of St. Peter's Basilica, which in its own right is a breathtaking piece of architecture it's actually really weird the way that they set up saint pete's you can walk in and everything seems i mean it it seems massive but it doesn't seem as massive as it could because of the things they do with perspective so you'll see statues stacked above each other and they look like they're the same size from the floor but because you're actually looking about a hundred feet up Mm -hmm. 
the statue on top is double the size of the yeah, statue so they, on the bottom. Hmm. So it looks like they're the same size, forced but perspective. yeah, it's forced perspective. And even the windows on the, on the facade of the building, it looks like a normal church building until you realize that those windows are like 60 feet high and the people barely peek over the railings. It is, hmm. if you ever look at pictures, it's, it is bizarre. It's the, the things they do with perspective. The funnest thing I think is that they put little plaques on the floor mm-hmm. where the other basilicas of the world end. So if you start from the back wall, well, this is where this, the Cathedral of Notre Dame ends. This is where another cathedral ends. It's just oh. huge. And the oh, there's another interesting thing. It actually rests on the tomb of St. Peter. So he is, he is built into the church, and they made his tomb load-bearing. So if you remove his tomb, the church, church crumbles. The wow. church falls down. The so that's very symbolic. The church is actually built on... Now, in the uh, the 1970s, I think it was, they were doing excavations in St. Peter's Basilica and came across a first century burial, early Christian burial tomb in there and found, and someone who was buried there in a prominent place in the tomb actually had crucifix wounds on his feet. Now, St. Peter is, is uh, the, the old tradition is that he was crucified, and he was crucified upside down because he said he was not worthy to receive the same um, crucifixion as his Lord. But there is this crazy story from the 70s about the, the, the Vatican uh, archaeologist uncovering this, um, you know, early Christian, uh, you know, this, this is before, you know, this is before Christians mm-hmm. are, are legal in Rome. They have this tomb, and then... There's always been the tradition that St. Peter's is built over Peter's tomb, but now they've got like compelling archaeological evidence that there is the body, the bones of somebody who was crucified um, underneath the Vatican. It's crazy. Wow. When did you say that was? In the, in the 70s, I wow. think. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, I think there's a really good, uh, there's a bunch of really interesting books about it. I, I've never read them, but um, it's just, it's sort of a bizonkers um, thing. Yeah. The whole history of relics and. Yeah. The relics of saints and mm-hmm. selling those and the movement of those during the Middle Ages. Is, mm-hmm. I think it's really fascinating. Laura Croft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we can talk about <laughs> his personal life. He was a devout Catholic. Mm. He was a believer. He, despite being poor, live, or despite being rich, lived like he was poor. He lived in squalor. He would sleep in his boots and his clothes. He was completely indifferent to food. In fact, his living in squalor probably prevented him from having many apprentices Mm because he was just kind of a gruff, solitary guy Mm -hmm. and no one really wanted to hang out with him very much. He may have liked the gentleman Mm -hmm. or had feelings for the gentleman. He was often taken advantage of by models and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he also may have had feelings for a noble widow named Vittoria Colonna. So we don't really know about much about his love life. I don't think he ever married, but there's, you know, there's a little controversy there. So let's head back and talk about the actual work that he did, The Last Judgment. How so I will describe this to you, listener, as best I can. Did you already say, how tall is this thing? It is 48 feet by 44 Just, feet. Yeah. People Google this thing. It's incredible. It's, it is absolutely massive. And if you Google it, you'll probably get a picture with some candlesticks in front of it. You shouldn't imagine that those are normal-sized candlesticks. Those are almost person-sized candlesticks. Oh, wow. They're at least three feet tall. And you're not even seeing, it, it reaches a little bit further down. In fact, the far right figure uh, is just over the door that you enter in. It's incredible. It is, it is huge in a completely mind-blowing way, which is why it amazes me that no one ever talks about it. So it took him four years to complete. It contains over 300 figures. They are, it, it's, it's weird in a, a few ways. First, almost all the males and angels were originally nude. And... 
they were later partly covered. Mm. The angels don't have wings or even halos, which is a little bit different for painting at that time. He, he began the work 25 years after completing the ceiling. And so he was nearly 67 when it was finished. The commission came from Pope, Pope Clement VII, uh, but it was finished under Pope Paul III, who was a stronger uh, reformer of the Catholic Church. And here's what, what it looks like. At the very top, there are sort of two curved arches that are filled with scenes of angels carrying the elements of the crucifixion. Under the right arch is angels carrying a pillar. There's like no, 10 angels and they're all carrying this pillar. And that's the pillar Christ was tied to for his scourging. On the left, we see angels carrying the cross and some carrying the crown of thorns. Mm. The angel, one of the angels carrying the cross is supposed to be, I think one of the archangels, but I don't, I don't see how they make that conclusion. It's just a guy. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I found this website that's kind of listed who a lot of the figures were, are, yeah. but a lot of them, they, they would say, this is maybe the princess who found Moses. Okay. And it's just a lady. Like, I don't see any well, identifying marks. It looks like there's one arch, archangel or one angel that is wearing armor. So perhaps that's it. That's the one in green? No, the one on the far left that sort of is... No, the one they said was the archangel was the dude that seems like he's sort of draped over it with his leg there in the center. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's it's weird to me. Whatevs. In the the dead center, so that's sort of the first level. One Mm -hmm. level down, there seems to be kind of a division here, and this is below the arches, so this stretches the entire wall, is in the center, Jesus and Mary... And Mary is on the left and she's sort of looking down to the left in a sort of an attitude of humility. And Jesus Christ is in the center. Now, what, what strikes you about that picture of Jesus? He doesn't look like the, like the Jesus that I'm familiar with. No beard. He's beardless. He is beardless. He what else young. do you notice about him? Doesn't he look young? He looks very young. What else? Uh, he's got red hair. He has strangely red hair. Anything else? His proportions seem kind of off. His head seems really small. I don't know if that's what you're looking he's for. He's jacked. That, he, yeah. Oh, so that is typical of Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's and everyone in this painting is jacked. Everyone is kind of has square torso but problems. He's, he's wounded. He is, he, so his he feet is wounded. Um, he's got the spear. He's got the is spear there wound. In his hand. I don't see a. There's not anything in his hand. What What is his attitude? Would you say? It looks very calm. Um, there's not any emotion. Well, he's, on his he face, has a there? hand raised in what looks like he's about to lower it forcefully like a slap or, about a, to smack or a smoke ah. a yeah. smote yeah. he's about to smote mm-hmm. what's his other arm doing um it is almost reaching towards mary or protecting it, 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 it's sort of across his chest in the middle okay what what is around jesus and mary to the left and to the, you guys are helping me out with this this is I'm great trying, yeah um what's around them yeah what is what the is light? to the left uh, and right there seems whole, to be one like, like a, a few different levels this is the second level down from the top they are cer- like the it's a circle of people around them okay yeah there's just gobs and gobs of people i would i would say you could say it's a great cloud of witnesses it's a great cloud of people yeah one guy's and a bunch of them are terrified yeah okay that lady just to the right looks like she's freaking out yeah there's one guy who's holding like the skin of a person yeah i want to talk about that we'll talk about that any anything else anybody holding stuff uh guys holding a a scroll there's one guy holding a ladder okay guy holding a ladder Um, anything else um uh there's a lady that's like, or yeah, a lady who's looking away, doesn't want to look. Okay. Um, looks like there's an old dude in a red robe that fell down and can't get up. What's that piece of wood to the left? Is that, it's not another cross, is it? Yeah, there oh. are a few different crosses in here, actually. Okay. So there's the one right next um, to Mary. Um, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's another one lo- below right. Yep. Is that a piece of curved wood? One guy looks like there's he's a, holding, There is a piece of curved wood with spikes on it. Yeah. The one looks like one guy who's holding up his fist towards Jesus a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Another cross on the far right. So there's a whole... There's like two angels kissing. Is that a key? Oh, um, key to the kingdom just to the right? There's people smooching. (laughs) All right, so it's a pretty interesting... A pretty like interesting Waldo, bunch Waldo. of folks, right? And Waldo. Yeah, Waldo, yeah, Waldo was there. Was I found him. Found yeah, there he is. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so that is level two. So there's the the two arches, and then directly mm-hmm. below that is sort of a big just crowd of people, and they're all standing, standing on clouds, and behind them is nothing but sky, mm-hmm. right? Below that, what do you see? Sad um, people? No, wait. Is that a blow dart? What is No, horns? Okay, so in the in the middle, what do you let's let's start with the middle, and then we'll talk about the left and the right. Yeah, there's angels. So directly below trumpets. Jesus and Mary, there's angels blowing trumpets. Yeah. Okay, there's, there's an- a guy with the book. Okay, and it looks like he's uh, like, looks like he's sort of showing the book to Karen, the boat guy. Okay, and then look to the left of that guy with the book. Um, Another book, a little book. There's a little book. Oh, there's a little tiny book. That's right. And they're pointed different directions. Yep. The tiny book is pointed down left. Yeah. The big book is pointed, pointed down, down right. right, and down right looks like. Souls are going to Karen's boats and he's taking them to hell. Yeah. So down right, you see on the far bottom right corner, what Mm -hmm. does it look like there? It looks like a place you don't want to go. There's people getting, the people are dragging them into this big red fiery pit. There's a dude with a snake wrapped around him. They're being forced off the boat with the, like the paddle's about to hit people. Yeah. Karen's Karen's about to smack a foo with that paddle. Yep. Is there a snake around one in the bottom right? Yeah. They are, there seems to be this hole in the sky in the far bottom right that Mm -hmm. looks like a portal into hell. Yeah. And standing in front of that are some dudes that look really intimidating mm-hmm. and everyone on that see- side seems really depressed mm-hmm. like they are being pulled or forced into yeah. hell in fact many of the the demons are pulling human figures from the sky yeah. downward yes and the angels directly above those figures are also seeming to punch them downwards mm-hmm. these yeah. guys do not look like they're having a good time and just right of the angels holding the books is a is a really famous figure the dude that looks really upset he's got he his is, head his hands yeah he is being pulled to hell and he looks absolutely dumbfounded about his fate and he has his hand over his face and he looks really really sad and he's got a demon wrapped around him dragging like him biting down. into his leg yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not it's not a great scene on the left side mm-hmm. we have people who are being pulled into heaven mm-hmm. right they are going oh, the yeah. opposite direction and while there are demons that are kind of trying to drag them down the mm-hmm. angels are doing their best to bring them into heaven so on the left side we see souls rising mm-hmm. on the right side we'd see souls going down and on the very ground level so uh, so three levels so far is the top arches with the angels holding elements of the crucifixion. The level below that is Jesus and Mary with a crowd of witnesses holding weird, strange things mm-hmm. like curved wheels with spikes and ladders. And then below that, we have the seven angels blowing trumpets. Mm-hmm. Those are actually the trumpets of Judgment Day, the seven angels from Revelation. On the left, we have souls rising. On the right, we have souls going down. And on the f- far bottom level, we have we actually hit land. Yep. So on the, on the left is green grass and people are crawling out of their tombs if you Mm -hmm. look closely Mm -hmm. there are some skeleton faces that look real creepy because they're about eye level when you stand in front of the painting oh yeah and so you're just staring into skulls Mm -hmm. which is pretty intense and they are climbing out excuse me they're climbing out and being perhaps enfleshed and then heading upward in the dead center kind of scared everyone looks a little like they're even the ones going to being assumed upwards they've got looks of like i don't know what's going on yeah well, I mean, Jesus does not look very happy yeah. up there. It's a little terrifying. And there kind of seems to be a cave right there in the middle yep. that yep. looks like there's demons trying to haul these people into hell and mm-hmm. trying to steal them, perhaps unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. To the right of that cave is water, and that's where we see Caron the Boatmaster, who in this kind of looks like a goblin. Mm-hmm. He's green, and he's got his big paddle, mm-hmm. which looks like a really, really long wooden cooking spoon. Mm-hmm. And if you remember Caron, who's he? 
He's actually pronounced Karen. Karen. He's the boatmaster. Uh, his job is to ferry the souls into hell. And is he a Christian figure? He is not. He is a classical figure. In fact, he even mm. shows up in was it ba- no uh, Gilgamesh, right? Yeah. I mean, his uh, name's well, not kind Karen. of. He's not Karen. There's, there's a there's a couple different boats of death. But in Gilgamesh. Um, yeah, he you know he is a classical ancient ancient Greek classical figure. I mean, um, and his job is to. I mean, he shows up in Dante. Dante. And right. Dante was yep. a famous Florentine, and he wrote yep. in the 1300s. So Michelangelo would absolutely be familiar familiar with is dante in here did dante make it into this painting the dude with a snake wrapped around him kind of looks like him uh we'll talk about that dude in a second that dude with a snake is a bit different there's actually the the place i found that shows what all the figures are said Mm -hmm. that one of the guys climbing out of the tombs is dante Mm -hmm. but i don't i'm not sure i buy it because he's not wearing the typical hat that is attributed to dante <laughs> you know, I'm not sure he has a big schnoz, and I don't see him carrying a book. Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure that it's him. It's another one of those. This is Dante, and I, I don't <laughs> see like, any proof oh, for great. it. Yeah. And okay. then, so Caron is whacking all these souls, mm-hmm. just as he does in Dante's story. He hits all the people with the paddle, <laughs> and then he is ferrying them across the shore to this seeming rift in the sky that goes into deep orange. And from it, you can see issuing a whole horde of demons. Mm-hmm. In the front is a fellow who is being with a snake wrapped around him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that guy is King Minos. What do you guys know about King Minos from Dante? Um, this isn't, I always, am I getting confused? This isn't uh, uh, with the bull in the maze. Nope. The Minotaur. No. That's the Minotaur. Minotaur. This is King Minos. But that's, um, I, I can't remember. So King Minos has... First king of Crete, son of Zeus in Europa? That is what he is mythically. In uh-huh. Dante, he is the judge of hell. Mm. And you go and you stand before him. Mm. And then how many times he wraps his tail around himself is how many levels down in hell oh, you dang. go. <laughs> it's, like the, it's, like, it's like a wayfinding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those things at the mall where it's like... So take a, clay, a, take a real close look at that figure and tell is me what two? you see. We're going to start um, there when we, we talk about figures. We got two little snakes. Two, two, the snake is wrapped around himself twice. Okay. And then... Where, where's its head? Uh, at the uh, at the lower hemisphere. It is... Around... It is... It seems to be... A modesty snake. Yeah, it seems to be involved <laughs> yes. in... Yes. Yeah. It's it's doing troubling things down there. And what do you see on the top of his head? What do, what do his ears look like? Um, his ears? Is that a... They look pointed? He's got a little hat on, doesn't he? Nope. Oh. Is, is that, that horns? the tail of the snake? Nope. Look at look at his head. Check out them ears. They're like they look really pointy. Am I looking at the right thing? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're big really... long. Those gentlemen are donkey's ears. Mm. Huh. So there was a guy who <laughs> did not think much of his work, oh. and his guy name was Biagio di Cesena, and he said. It was most disgraceful that in so sacred a place there should have been depicted all those nude figures exposing themselves so shamefully, and that it was no work for a papal chapel, but rather for the public baths and taverns. And guess who heard this? Michelangelo. 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 Yeah. And he painted, so he painted... And so the, 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 the face of King Minos is the face of that guy, the papal wow. head of ceremonies, and he painted donkey ears on him and then had the snake, you know, Wrapping around bite him mm-hmm. and... Uh, and there you go. No, no papal head of ceremonies really wants to be the judge <laughs> of hell. Yeah, seriously. So he actually complained to the Pope and the Pope replied, so you're telling me that this is the king of hell, right? And he goes, yeah, he painted me as the king of hell. And the Pope says, well, I'm the Pope. My jurisdiction does not extend to hell. <laughs> and so the figure <laughs> remained. And to this day, it's that same guy. That's hilarious. Yeah. Take it up with, uh, 
Take it up with the Pope of Hell, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So there seems to be this great circular motion to this painting. Now, the book of the saved versus the book of the damned. Do you Mm -hmm. notice any difference there? Well, the book of the damned is huge and the book of the saved is itty bitty. So it did not seem that he thought many people were... Were making their way up. ...really headed to heaven. Yeah. And... You note that Jesus seems to be in a situation of smiting. He and he is not, smiting facing, he's looking down at sort of the hell area of the painting. Whereas Mary is looking is, down at uh, the, the heaven saved area. souls. Right. Let's talk about a few more of those figures. We've gone over Charon, the boatmaster, mm-hmm. and we've talked about King Minos. Let's talk about some of the... Can we talk about the dude who's holding like the empty skin yeah, of a skin. person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else I've missed. Oh, you should also know that to make this painting on the wall, they had to destroy several other works which mm. already adorned the wall and do construction stuff. So it actually leans a little bit forward to wow. make it easier for people on the floor to see. Hmm. And a few of his own works by, by Michelangelo were destroyed in that process. Hmm. And because of the reception, because everyone was naked and everyone was kind of offended by this, this... Mm-hmm came during the time of the Counter-Reformation and after the Council of Trent, they actually policed some of the art. There were problems. First, the angels blowing the trumpets mm-hmm. were in Revelation sent to the four corners of the earth. Mm. So there's one problem. The other problem is everybody naked. Mm-hmm. And so they had a guy, one of his, I don't know, a big okay. fan of Michelangelo's, and he painted a bunch of clothing on everyone and actually repainted a couple of the figures, the figure of St. Catherine, who was holding that spiked wheel, and the guy behind her, Saint, I think that's St. Bartholomew. And he he was originally kind of looking at her bum, and they mm. thought that was indecorous, so they have him looking somewhere else now. Mm-hmm. And they repainted her whole torso because she was originally nude. Mm. And then he painted a whole bunch of little wisps of cloth everywhere. And yes. if you look around, you see these little, they they all have the same color, which mm-hmm. is what tells you they weren't original. Mm. They're all brown. These little modesty cloths? Yeah, yeah, little brown wisps of cloth that seem to come from absolutely nowhere. It's mm-hmm. not clothing. It's just kind of reaches around their leg and whoop, covers <laughs> up what needs to be covered up. Yeah. And it's all brown. Mm-hmm. So they'll be, you know, even if they're cloaked in something else, It'll be this little brown wisp of cloth mm-hmm. that comes and covers them where they need to be covered. And thankfully, that was done in dry plaster over the top, or at least most of it. So this one guy became famous and known as the painter of breaches. <laughs> wow. And let's see if I can find his name. I've, I've got it. Uh, his name was Danielle de Volterra, and he painted all the, all the breaches. And then later, his work got interrupted because they needed to elect a new pope. And so he stopped. But they would continue to cover up figures for a long time. And then eventually, and so over 40, I think, were covered in this way. They took off the coverings of 15 and then left everything before the year 1600 as, you know, historical. So a lot of them are still kind of covered, which is kind of strange. Let's see if there's anything else. Wingless angels. So they also objected to there being wingless angels. Mm -hmm. They objected to Christ with no beard Mm -hmm. and Christ looking kind of the way he does. So let's start there. Christ, you've, you noted, does not look like a typical depiction of Christ. It's not very Jewish looking. He is actually probably based on another statue in the Vatican collection. Mm. I mentioned a statue of Apollo. Mm. Oh, interesting. The statue of Apollo was, was really famous as sort of the height of, of classic beauty. Mm-hmm. And so he was working and it would have been there. So he could go and look at the and statue at of Apollo it. and then bring it back here and make it. So it looked like it was pretty clearly based on this statue on Apollo. of Apollo I mean, yeah. that we think was probably like a Roman copy of a bronze Greek original some mm. time earlier, <laughs> but it's still there. You can still go see the Apollo, but everyone kind of noticed and depicting Jesus as a Greek mm-hmm. set everybody's teeth a little bit on edge mm-hmm. and the nakedness was a problem. And having other mythical figures, King Minos mm-hmm. and 
Karen. Mm. People objected to that, so that was a problem. But Dante. I know, hasn't I know. That sh- hasn't that ship sailed? Like, aren't people, okay I don't know, with, okay with the... Okay with Dante, for sure. Yeah, mingling of the, the, the ancient classical and, like, Jerusalem and Athens coming together. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe not. I guess not. Maybe tastes changed in the Reformation. Yeah. Okay, we... I can read you the, the words from the Council of Trent. Does that make music? Oh, it's my headphones. <laughs> uh, so, the words from the Council of Trent. Mm-hmm. Every superstition shall be removed, all lasciviousness be avoided, in such wise that figures shall not be painted or adorned with a beauty exciting to lust. There be nothing seen that is disorderly, or that is unbecomingly or confusedly arranged. In fact, they also objected to foreshortening. Oh, which is, you know, perspective. Hmm. They they thought it would confuse everybody. Nothing that is profane, nothing indecorous, seeing that holiness becometh the house of God. And that these things may be more faithfully observed, the Holy Synod ordains that no one be allowed to place or cause to be placed any unusual image in any place or church, howsoever exempted, except that image have been approved by the bishop. Wow. Yeah, it's like a big old bucket of people, this painting. Like, it's just a big old sea of humanity and everyone it's like sort of limbs are all a strew and everyone it's just it looks like chaos like it looks like when you're at a busy well if you're at like a busy train station when people weren't wearing clothes like that, everyone yeah, it's is sort of like going that. in their own different directions people are upset uh, um, it's not what you expect to see at a church every other church you'll right. enter it's christ with the crown with the halo and his fingers raised in blessing mm-hmm. and mary there and he's holding you know the the golden mm-hmm. holy hand grenade and this is not like that. This is really right. different from anything else you've seen, and it was shocking to everyone. I mean, the Last Judgment probably is going to be like a chaotic, fleshy time. Like just, you know, like just... It's going to be crazy. Bodies yeah. and people and crying and noise. And and everyone's going to be scared. Yeah. And, uh, and okay, so let's talk about a few more of those figures you noticed were holding strange things gotcha. in that great cloud of witnesses. Well, that guy that looked like he was holding the scroll is actually St. Peter with the keys. So he's a little hunched over right. old man just yeah. to the right of Christ. Oh, he's holding keys. That guy with the skin is St. Bartolomeo or Bartholomew. He was, legend has it that on a mission to India, he was skinned alive Mm -hmm. and then they hanged him upside down. He has the knife right there too. Uh, Supposedly when he was only 50 years old. So he is holding the knife, pointing it at Christ and holding the skin. What do you notice about the skin? Doesn't. It doesn't. It looks like him. It has hair. He doesn't. Uh, and he's got a beard and mm-hmm, the, skin the skin doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. So that skin supposedly mm-hmm. is a self-portrait of Michelangelo. <laughs> That's where he put himself into the painting. That's funny. A little skin, dude. Let's talk about the lady with the broken wheel down there, St. Catherine. Remember, she got she a little bit repainted. ripped. She's yep. absolutely yep. stacked. And she is holding what looks like half of a wheel with, with spikes, spikes on it. Mm-hmm. This so, is Catherine of Siena? No. Ca- St. Catherine of Alexandria Alexander. with the broken wheel. Oh. So I'm going to read you some some stuff from... I'm going to give you a quick summary and then mm-hmm. read a little section from gotcha. Wikipedia because it's really cool. So she was the daughter of the, govern- the governor of Egyptian Alexandria during the reign of Emperor Max- Maximian. She devoted herself to study. She was persuaded by a vision of Mary and the child to become a Christian. And when persecutions under Maxentius started, she went to the emperor mm. to rebuke him. He summoned 50 of his best pagan philosophers and orators to dispute with her. And she won. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And many of them became Christians, declared themselves Christians, and then were immediately put to death. Mm -hmm. So she won the the debate, and then she was put into jail. So here's, here's, I'm going to read verbatim what Wikipedia has, not that it's a great source, but Mm -hmm. this is kind of the legend. 
Catherine was then scourged and imprisoned. She was scourged so cruelly and for so long that her whole body was covered with wounds, from which the blood flowed in streams. The spectators wept with pity, but Catherine, strengthened by God, stood with her eyes raised to heaven without giving a sign of suffering or fear. The emperor ordered her to be imprisoned without food so she would starve to death. During the confinement, angels tended her wounds with salve. Catherine was fed daily from a dove, by a dove from heaven, and Christ also visited her, encouraging her to fight bravely and promised her the crown of everlasting glory. During her imprisonment, over 200 people came to see her, including the emperor's wife, Valeria Maximilla, all converted to Christianity and were subsequently martyred. Twelve days later, when the dungeon was opened, a bright light and fragrant perfume filled it, and Catherine came forth even more radiant and beautiful than she went in. Yeah, take that, Emperor. <laughs> Upon the failure of Maxentius to make Catherine yield by way of torture, he tried to win the beautiful and wise princess over by proposing marriage. <laughs> what? Wow. That's a, that's a big reversal. Seriously. She refused, declaring yeah. that her spouse was Jesus, to whom she had consecrated her virginity. Ain't nobody as good as Jesus. That's it. It's not going to work. Yeah. The furious emperor condemned Catherine to death on a spiked breaking wheel, mm. but at her touch, it shattered, which mm. is what you see her yeah, holding in the picture. Wheel. Maxentius ordered her to be beheaded. Catherine herself ordered the execution to commence. A milk-like substance rather than blood flowed from her neck. Huh. So I'm not saying it's aliens. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, isn't that cool that, that she's very cool. She's yeah. holding this broken wheel that she snapped when he was going to torture yep. her some more. That's awesome. Let's talk about St. Sebastian. He is a fellow who is holding arrows. Oh, right just to the right, to, right to her. Yeah. Just, just next to her. He's, is he the guy that gets tied to a pole and shot with arrows? Yeah. So the medievals loved depicting that scene. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And we'll talk about the depictions of St. Sebastian in a second. So he had, pr- he had concealed his faith, but it was sort of detected. And then Diocletian reproached him for his supposed betrayal and commanded him to be led to a field and there bound at a stake so that archers could shoot him. And the quote is that archers shot at him till he was so full of arrows to look like an urchin is full of pricks and this left him there for dead. So he was just like a spikely mm-hmm. thing filled with arrows. Didn't kill him. Wow. A, a lady found him alive, brought him and nursed him back to health. And then when it was discovered that he was alive, uh, Let's see. Sebastian later to the staircase. The emperor. Oh, the emperor passed. And then he yelled at him. And so Sebastian, who he thought was dead, was then yelling at the emperor as he passed. You're a jerk. So good. Yeah. And then they seized him and beat him to death and then threw him into the sewer. Aww. The sewer. So that's that's him. He's holding the arrows that he was shot. I didn't with. realize he survived. Oh, and, so he's holding the arrow. Gotcha. And I have I have some students that I was touring with this last Europe mm, tour mm-hmm. and they said they love depictions of St. Sebastian because he always looks so good. Like mm-hmm. he's ri- he's always ripped and like <laughs> looking really come hither. Mm-hmm. He's, according to them, the hot saint. Ah, so if you Google pictures of St. Sebastian, he is always looking real good. I mean, he's got, he's got some those sick hair. People. He's got some uh, nice flow in this photo. And are those like the people that, that care for him? Hmm? Is that, because there are two. Oh, there's two women that are like caring for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Maybe the ones who nursed him back. So there, just above Catherine, you'll see St. Blaise. St. Blaise is holding what look like two <laughs> combs. Is this like a late 90s surfer saint? Yes. Yeah. Like, I'm Blaise. <laughs> <laughs> So St. Blaise is holding We live in combs. gnarly times. He was a doctor. He liked to help people and heal people. He hung out with animals a lot. Eventually, he was hauled by hunters to a prison oh. where he cured a young boy who had a fish stuck in his throat. Oh. And they, they tried to get him to sacrifice to pagan idols. And the first time he said no, they beat him up. 
And the second time, they suspended him from a tree and tore his flesh off with those combs. Mm, And then he was finally beheaded. So he is also holding the implements of his Mm. martyrdom. St. Lawrence, that guy holding the ladder, see him there? Mm -hmm. That's actually not a ladder. That is called the gridiron. The treasurers of the church demanded... uh, Oh, sorry. The treasures of the church were demanded by the prefect of Rome because he wanted some riches. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that St. Lawrence had given them all away. Mm. So he brings forward the poor and the widow and the orphan. Mm. And he says, here are your treasures. Aww. And I will add to them, you know, the the orphans and the widows who will be like pearls and gems. Well, the, uh, the prefect of Rome did not like this very much. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he took him and had a great gridiron prepared with hot coals underneath. So that's not actually a ladder he's going to climb on. He lays on that. Mm. It's like a grill over a fire. Mm. And <laughs> this, is, this is the best part. So he hangs out there for a while. And then after being cooked for a minute, he cheerfully declares, I'm well done on this side. Turn me over. Turn me over. <laughs> really? Wow. And so he becomes the patron saint of cooks, chefs. Oh, that's awesome. And comedians. Wow. <laughs> and comedians really. Isn't he's, that great? He's also got like Jean-Luc Picard hair going on. Like he's kind of, he's bald on top, but he's got a little bit of hair on the sides. Yeah. At the front too. Yeah. A little, a little poof on the front. Yeah. That's hilarious. So the fellow holding the sideways cross, he's, he's looking backwards just next, just left mm. of Mary mm-hmm. is St. Andrew. And he's always depicted with that uh, sideways cross. So he was the brother of St. Peter, and he Mm -hmm. was the guy that told Jesus Christ about the boy with the loaves and the fishes. He was martyred by crucifixion at Patras in Achaia. He was bound, not nailed to the cross. And supposedly this was because because he said he thought he was unworthy to be sacrificed Mm. like Jesus Christ. And so that iconography with him with the sideways cross isn't really established till the Middle Ages. But you'll see St. Andrew depicted that way with this leaned over cross Mm. all the time. There's actually a really big statue of him in St. Peter's Basilica of that. Cool. There's also maybe St. Paul just behind St. Peter, but I don't know what, it's just a dude with hands and a beard. So I don't know how they figure out that St. Paul. There's Simon the Zealot. He has a saw down near the bottom. See St. Catherine mm-hmm. with the wheel. If you look just left of her, there's a guy with a big long saw. Yeah, And that's because legend has it. He was sawn in half. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few other notable figures. There's a guy being sort of dragged to hell by a purse around his neck they think either that was a famous simoniac simoniac he sold church office or just a greedy guy or a miser the rest of the figures a lot of them are just guesses but those saints are traditionally depicted that way if you look up pictures of saint catherine she always has that busted wheel Hmm. if you look up pictures of simon the zealot he always has that saw blade saint bartholomew is all like a lot of times holding his skin blaze will have the combs uh, the guy, St. Lawrence will always have the gridiron. St. Pete's will always have the keys. Like these are not just unique to this painting. Mm. He used them in this painting because whenever you were to look at something in a church, you could recognize the saints by how they were martyred because you probably knew the stories. Folks in that time knew the stories of the saints like folks in the time of Greece mm-hmm. knew the myths, right? You, I could recognize... Achilles because of what he did. I could recognize Hector because he's got that flashing helmet. Mm -hmm. People in the Middle Ages could recognize St. Catherine because she's always holding that crazy spiky wheel, right? They knew who these people were. Mm -hmm. And I think if you guys now go, and you will go, uh, you can hopefully better appreciate the painting and everything that's happening in there because you can sort of connect everything that's going on. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So Thomas, what's going to be your... uh when you are painted on frescoes in future churches, what's going to be the the thing that are you saying? Be I'm like, gonna be, are you saying I'm going to be martyred? Is that is that the common denominator that they all get slaughtered for the faith? They're, they're all pretty much holding oh, the, the, uh, the the object of their the martyrdom, except for Saint Peter. I yeah, don't think he, he was killed keys. with keys. There you go. He wasn't killed. I'll with take keys. a key. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be 
I think you'll be holding a ledger and a recess ball. Oh, great. It'll oh, be a yeah. mix of My your life of banking life. and student life. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like your, uh, your coffee roaster. Oh yeah. yeah. The coffee clear, mug is pretty staple. Uh, yeah. I have a clear coffee mug that I carry with me all the yeah, time. Probably go. that. Mm-hmm. What about you, Grambles? Um, uh, it's going to be, gosh, I don't know. I'm what, what, your commonplace book, uh, the little book that you write in for giving marks to people. Maybe that's, that's right. The, little, yeah, the book that I, your little journal that you keep your schedule in. Uh, yeah. All these, these things that I'm known for. Um, a little, how about like a little army of students behind me? Like, <laughs> like lovingly mocking and teasing me, could but it, still following me. Could it be you reading in a well-furnished <laughs> modern apartment? There you go. I feel like that's you. <laughs> and then Hannenberg, it'll be like, you're just sitting in a hammock. Yeah, that's good. Like, it'll or be depicting hammock. Like, uh, uh, it'll be ha- he'll he'll be in a hammock, high up above everybody, and there'll be like a, a little sea of students, and he'll be leaning over the hammock and blessing them. Except just, my yeah. finger, my blessing finger will not be just raised in blessing; it'll be resting on a turntable. Yeah, <laughs> 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 for all the DJing I do. Well, that's that's all I had for this painting. Did it go okay? Yeah, you yeah. Think? no, you're right. Yeah, so yeah, uh, it was good to have the painting in front of me. Yeah, same, yeah. same here. It helped. Yeah. Audience, I encourage you just. Just Go Google wrong. it. The Wikipedia page, if you open it up and click and click on their thing of it, it's an incredibly high resolution version of it. That's 3000 pixels by 2000 pixels. So you can zoom in on everything and get a really good look at all the figures. And then I encourage you to go visit. Yeah. Right? You can, the Vatican Museum is beautiful and you get to go visit St. Peter's Basilica, which is breathtaking. They have stuff in there that blows my mind. All the paintings you see in St. Peter's and you think they're paintings from far away Every single one of them is a mosaic. Hmm. You have to get close. You have to get probably within two feet to see the lines between the tiles because they're so closely fitted, but they look like master's paintings. So the churches we attend, would you say that any of them have uh, beautiful works of art depicted on the, on the walls to the, to the standard? No. There, there are some recess balls stuck to the, <laughs> the cages that house the lights for our stage in the gym where we meet, if that counts. And we've got some like early 20th century stained glass windows of, because we our, our church rents out uh, one of the big, I don't know if it's a cathedral, one of the big churches in, in Austin. Uh, we've got some like pictures of Texas stuff. What about you there, Mangby? No, we rent out a um, private school. So there's a cross at the front, but so it is a Christian, I think it's a Christian school. I don't know. It's just the the sacred space. I mean, this is a whole other podcast, a whole other right. topic, but and also uh, the diff- a, a huge difference between Catholicism and Protestantism. But there's just I don't know, um, I think just the richness of the stories that can be depicted, and and just I, I've been thinking a lot since we ever moved. We've moved to this beautiful campus from our portable, our little co- uh, cockroach portables in where we used to be, yeah. which was amazing to be there and we got to start the school in this place but there's just such a difference that being in beautiful nature has i even think colored just the students and the enjoyment of reading and learning and that kind of thing i don't know you just you think about like the beauty of the place where you go to church um i mean if i if i couldn't have filled out the full hour with the information that i brought and i wasn't sure i could yeah i was going to ask what what should art look like in a place of worship yeah. is it acceptable to to mm. have nude figures. A bunch of naked people being dragged to hell. Yeah, where do you land on that? Mm. I. The other funny thing is that this, this is... If there was a sermon about the particular, that particular um, uh, issue, then it would be, you know, uh, it would be definitely cause you to, to think. Anyway. The other funny thing is that this is on the wall where you walk into the chapel mm-hmm. and Tip- typically last judgment scenes are as you walk out oh. to remind you mm. that it's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a little, that's another small nuance. Cool. That's really good. 
Well, listeners, um, we hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and that this is not the last podcast that you will judge us on, but that you ah, will great. come back and listen to other future podcasts. Um, do we have any, cl- any classical stuff we got wrong? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so either. I think we've uh, done pretty well so far. Um, or no one has called us out on Or it. no one has called us out on our wrongness. Yeah. And any uh, uh, commonplace book entries? I could flip through. My commonplace is right there. No, but. we've, this is, we have uh, been, this has been a, uh, we're hitting the hour mark here. Yep. yep. Um, so, you can, thank you for listening to Classical Stuff You Should Know. You can find us at classicalstuff.net where you can see all of the episodes and we always pick a fun piece of art to accompany the episodes. I wonder what this week's will be. It's, it's going to be a big question mark. <laughs> and uh, you can see pictures of us not looking our best. And um, I think if it, you it, don't hear this episode, it means my computer died. Yeah, computer <laughs> the coffee filled, that I dumped coffee. into it. Um, you can email us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. Um, you can tweet at us at stuff, C-L-S-S-C-A-L stuff, and I will usually like or retweet things that you say or uh, enter into witty dialogue. And um, If you are a banker that would like to be a patron. <laughs> if you, would want, if you podcast, want to patro- yeah. patronize us, um, you can email us. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, right? Yeah, at yeah. classicalstuff.net. No. I have Venmo. I'm sure we can set up a Venmo. <laughs> We've all got, yeah. Um, so this is Graham, Thomas, and AJ signing off. Signing off. Bye.